This is Jen, and you're listening to Paradox, a Mage the Ascension podcast. These bite-sized episodes are designed to get you up to speed and comfortable with Mage the Ascension rules and concepts. We read the books so you don't have to, though we do recommend it. Without further ado, welcome to Paradox. Hello, and welcome once again to Paradox. This is Episode 3, A Wizard's Guide to Stat Building, where we will be taking a closer look at a Mage the Ascension character sheet. For those of you already familiar with the standard World of Darkness character sheet, this may be old information, but hopefully you'll still walk away having learned something new. In order to bring this character sheet a little more to life, I'm going to reference my Mage the Ascension Victorian Age character, Josephine Carrington, from our actual play series on Dork Tales. Starting off strong at the top of this lovely gold and purple character sheet, a fantastic upgrade from the standard black and white of old, though I'm sure printers disagree, is of course the standard details of character and chronicle. You have your character's name, for me, it's Josephine Carrington, of course, because her full, true name, Josephine Azure Benedict Evans Hazel Carrington Banitharsis, daughter of Concordia, mistress of the Arcturus, in Caligni Abditus Kodairu Zeremot Aseud Bo, wouldn't fit in the itty-bitty space that they give you. To hear more about that name, where it comes from, and why it is so incredibly long, come back later when I do a deep dive into the Order of Hermes. Moving right along, you've got your player and chronicle names, neither of which are required to be filled out, but may make your ST's life a little happier. And that's what we all want, right? On the other side of the page, you have your affiliation, sect, and concept. Concept is easy. Josephine is a wannabe pirate. You don't have to write anything there, but sometimes it's good to be able to reduce your concept down into a few words. Bex Allen, my character for Breaking Tradition, another Dork Tales actual play, had the concept Virtual Adept with a Real Job, trademark pending. Affiliation and sect sound relatively simple, and they are, if you read the book. But if you, like me, skipped over the boring parts, don't worry, because I went back and double-checked my work. I've always used affiliation to mean tradition, because I'm playing a mage. It's a mage character sheet, right? And perhaps it stems from my mage revised edition days where they listed tradition in that spot on the sheet. However, if you understand language, it likely won't come as a shock to you that by affiliation they actually mean whether you are a member of the Mystical Nine Traditions, or Traditions for short, the Technocracy, or part of the disparate groups that refuse to play by the dumb rules the other two affiliations put in place. Sect, on the other hand, does not mean sub-faction or methodology like I once foolishly believed as of 10 minutes before recording this. It is in fact what I thought affiliation meant, your specific tradition, convention, or group within your affiliation. Learn from me, and then do whatever you want. I'm not the character sheet police. For the record, and the character sheet police, Josephine is Order of Hermes, House Tharsis. Nature, demeanor, and essence are a little trickier to explain in short quips. Nature is your character's, well, nature. Their often hidden self, their true self. One way you can regain spent willpower is by acting your character's nature. Though, with some archetypes, this is more difficult than it sounds. A character with the monster nature, for example, regains willpower by performing spectacular acts of heartlessness and ruin. A survivor, like Josephine, regains willpower whenever she survives a difficult situation through stubborn cunning and a refusal to give in. We'll talk more about willpower later, 
but suffice it to say that it is extremely useful to spend and therefore acting your nature is a great way to get it back. Demeanor is what you present to the world, or in other words, your mask. It may be that you're playing a philanthropist, serial killer, with a monster nature, but a benefactor demeanor. You hide your true self, and if you're ever caught and convicted for your crimes, your neighbors, friends, and family will all say the same thing. They were so nice. I never thought they'd be capable of something like this. M20 and other source books contain various write-ups on different personality archetypes, all of which come with a strength and a weakness to give you an idea of how that sort of archetype works. Depending on your World of Darkness system or your storyteller, there may be other options. Victorian era, for instance, has romantic as a potential demeanor. That's capital R romantic, like the romance era. Essence is referring to your avatar's essence. Your avatar is the magical piece of your soul. I say piece because there are various interpretations as well as aspects of game mechanics that can influence the avatar. For example, there are mages who believe in the reincarnation of the avatar. They believe in the reincarnation of the soul in general, but the avatar is considered different from the soul. Mechanically, your character could have the merit circumspect avatar or manifest avatar, both of which affect how much your avatar interferes with you on a daily basis, often like it has a mind of its own. Or perhaps you have the merit shattered avatar, where your avatar has actually been broken into pieces and scattered across time and space, and you may or may not be able to recover them. So then, much like your own soul has a personality, so too does your avatar. It comes in one of four flavors, dynamic, pattern, questing, or primordial. We'll be exploring these and the general concept of avatar in a future episode. Attributes are pretty self-explanatory. You've got your three main physicals, three main socials, and three main mentals. When you're creating your character, you start with a dot in each, and then you want to prioritize physical, mental, social, and put five, seven, three dots in, respectively. For example, I wanted Josephine to be high in mentals, but also relatively high in physicals. So I took seven dots and split them amongst perception, intelligence, and wits, then five dots and split them between strength, dexterity, and stamina. Finally, I took my remaining three dots and split them between charisma, manipulation, and appearance. Well, actually just between charisma and appearance because she's not particularly skilled in manipulation. Abilities are split up much the same way, except you've got your talents, skills, and knowledges. Effectively, talents are abilities that people can generally have without specific training or practice. They're things you can just inherently do. Most people can usually throw a punch or lead a group. It just may not be particularly good. If you make a roll with a talent that you do not have a dot in, there is no additional difficulty added. Skills are those abilities where you need to have at least done some work to learn them. Things such as driving or shooting a gun are not impossible without practice, but they are more difficult. Therefore, if you're making a roll for a skill that you do not have dots in, there is a plus one difficulty to that roll. By the way, as far as I can tell, this rule and the subsequent knowledges-based rule are only written just before the book talks about skills and knowledges in the ability section in chapter six, not in the actual dice rolling section of the rules, so be aware of that. Knowledges are things you have learned and studied. As per the book, you cannot make a roll if you do not have the knowledge. There are a couple that I would make an exception for, however, such as investigation, 
and just increase the difficulty. Or you can let them roll perception and alertness instead of like wits or intelligence and investigation. For Josephine, I knew I was making the Hermetic Mage, which meant knowledges would be important. I put my 13 dots of abilities there, with my 9 dots into talents and finally 5 dots into skills. At this point, you cannot put more than 3 dots into a single ability, though, as we'll learn later, you can increase your levels in other ways. One really important thing to know is that the abilities on the character sheet do not represent all the abilities you can take. They are simply the core abilities, or the most common ones to mages. Both in the M20 core and in Book of Secrets, there are many secondary abilities that may make more sense than the ones on the sheet. Depending on your GM, you should feel free to substitute secondary abilities for the ones listed, or write ones in. You may need to use other sections of the sheet or separate notes as they didn't provide a lot of room on the one page. I would like to point out here that regardless of how you distributed your points in your attributes, whichever one you picked as primary, you do not have to pick the corresponding abilities section as your primary section for abilities. So you can absolutely put the majority of your attribute dots in, say, mentals, your perception, your intelligence, and your wits, and then choose talents as your primary abilities area. Much like real human beings, your characters do not have to be min-maxed as, you know, mental knowledges, social skills, and physical talents. It's, it's a little more obvious to see in the physical and the social and the talents and the skills sections because there are some, some social talents and some physical skills, but sometimes people fall into the trap of, well, you're very smart or you have a lot of mental traits, so obviously you're going to have a lot of knowledges. And just like the real world, it does not work out that way. So don't feel like you have to pigeonhole your characters by making them particularly strong in one area and not at all strong in either of the other two. Of course, if you want to play an Order of Hermes mage who has very little real-world experience and only has book knowledges, you are more than welcome to. The points make it a little difficult to completely min-max that way, but it's not impossible, and you could be absolutely stacked in mentals and knowledges and barely able to pick up the wand you use to cast magic. Well... That was a lot of information in a short period of time. So next time, we'll talk about spheres, backgrounds, the quintessence paradox wheel, and a few other interesting aspects of the Mage the Ascension character sheet. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Paradox, a Mage the Ascension podcast, and you can find us wherever you can find podcasts. If actual plays are up your alley, check out Dorktales on twitch.tv dorktales or youtube.com slash dorktales, or find us on the Dorktales Discord server. We are currently streaming a Mage the Victorian era game on Saturdays. Our Patreon subscribers have early access to the new Technocracy Zero Sum game, which I run on the first Sunday of the month. And we have several Mage one-shots and a short-run chronicle called Breaking Tradition on YouTube, plus all of our other amazing content. Thanks for listening, and remember to always keep your magic coincidental unless it's fireball.